This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, tech fans, it's episode number 54 of Tech Fan with Tim Robertson and special guest Owen Rubin. And it's tech fan number 54. I am Tim Robertson, the host of the show. David Cohen is currently on a plane flying from Africa back to the UK. And instead of doing the show by myself, which I'm not allergic to, but, you know, I still like to have the conversations, I enlisted the aid of a good friend, Owen Rubin. Hello, Owen. Good morning, Tim. So we're. Uh, and it really is morning. It, it is morning for you. It's like <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning right now. It is. And uh, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning for me, but I'm a little, uh, yeah, you know, sinuses, sinus pills, kind of makes you a little loopy. Yeah, I know that feeling. I was up at 5 this morning because my wife had to catch a plane herself off to Las Vegas. So it won't be very long that uh, I'll actually see you in person at the Macworld Expo in uh, January. Macworld iWorld now? iWorld. Well, it's both. It's Macworld yeah, the, slash The name iWorld. changed on, this, on the website. Oh, did it? Yeah, now it says, I think it says Macworld Vertical Bar iWorld. I'd have to go look it up. Yeah, now. this is like the transition year. And then next year it'll just be iWorld. Yeah, I, I think they're going to drop the Mac. I agree. I think they dropped the Macworld pretty soon. Let's see if I can find it. And, and I, I think I, it's probably a good idea um, because it's been iWorld for a number of years, really since the iPod or iPod <laughs> exploded in popularity. I mean, you remember the, the expos back in the mid aughts, and they were, it was just all cases for the iPod. I know. I think we called it I, uh, iWorld Con- the iWorld Conference, right? Yep. Or the iCase Conference. Yep. And oh yeah, and it, last year was the same way. It was it was good to see a few Mac things there, but it was mostly moving towards iPads and iPhones. I think we're going to see uh-huh. more Mac stuff this year. I think the Mac App Store put a little bit more money in some coffers for some Mac software developers, and I think that you know all things being equal, you need to promote. And this is a good event to promote, too, because people like us who have uh, an audience, if you will, with both the website and podcasting will come to your booth and talk to you. And that's where the value is. Oh, absolutely. It's important. You know, I know I know I buy I've bought a lot of software at Macworld over the years where I thought, oh, that's an interesting piece of software. And I don't know anything about it. And I'd walk through the floor and happen to see them on the floor even if they're in one of those little tiny booths you know those little kiosk things yep and and go oh yeah this does exactly what i want to do and i buy it i i'm a chicken when it comes to buying software i hate to spend money on software if i haven't been but it's not buying it at the show which is valuable to the developers it's that you will potentially write a product review or mention it on a podcast right and the thousands of people who heard you say it on the podcast um, will potentially buy it. Well, that's sort of or, our n- job or here, not right? or not buy it. I mean, or not buy it. That, that's. I mean, that's our job here. Is to is. I mean, I don't write because I like to write so much as as much as I like to help people know what they should and should not do. I'm exactly the same way. Yeah. So, uh, and I write that way. I mean, you'll you'll if people who follow any of my writing on your site will notice that. Uh, you know, I I always say it's a junk sandwich. You know, it's good. It's some bad between some good, you know, and I actually use a different word, but I won't use it here. <laughs> I don't know what your rating is. <laughs> uh, I but, don't, uh, you know, I try to keep it somewhat clean. I mean, yeah. there, there's times that I'll say stuff that... A crap sandwich and you can replace your own word. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think any product is all good. I can't think of any product I've ever owned. It's hard for me to give a 10 out of 10 that it's just there's nothing wrong with it. There's, uh, there's a few writers at my Mac who will do that, and I'm kind of like you in that... Boy, a ten out of ten is really hard for me to do. Yeah, it's. But on the other hand, that lets the reader know, hey, I want that. Here's the problems I had with it. They're 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 manageable, but know that it's not perfect. And it, uh, and it's nice that like I when I just finished the review I did on, which took forever on car navigation. I'd love to chat about that a bit. But absolutely, uh, it there's a lot of them. There's there's really a lot of them. Uh, and what surprised me was, I thought, oh, this would be easy. I'm just going to get them all. I threw them all on my 
my 32 gig iPhone 4 and filled it. <laughs> yeah, they completely filled up the space. They run two to three gig. Yep. Well, that's uh, the ones with the maps built in. Well, even the ones without the maps built in, what they do is they download maps. Right. They cache them, and they can grow. I think um, I'm trying to remember the name of the one that that downloaded. It grew when I deleted it. I got back three gig back because it had cached all these maps. Wow, that's a um, lot. So it does fill up your phone. It took a uh, took me over a year to finish that. <coughs> the good news was that the manufacturers who are doing those are re-releasing them all the time. So I would be writing like, well, this is really nice, but it, I wish it would do this. And then I'd see an update three days later, almost as if they read what I wrote, since I knew they didn't, it wasn't out yet, and they'd fix it. So it just I rewrote that thing maybe 20 times. A lot of people, ha- I've got questions from readers over the years and listeners of the podcast, do these companies have any say when we're writing our reviews? Um and you've had experience, <laughs> well, you've had experience of people wanting to do that. Oh, yeah. I, I've had people say, uh, well, you know, if you want the product, you'll have to say this and this. And I'm like, well, then I don't want the product. That's right. Uh, my, I, I used to write and get picked up by the New York Times Syndicate. I've had a couple things in magazines I've written. I write under a pseudonym. I don't tell people the name because I used to walk through CES and get yelled at by people going, oh, you're the guy who ruined my product. No, I'm the guy who wrote about your product. You ruined your product. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm, I, I always say I'm brutally honest. If I, um, I think you remember about two years ago, the HP printer I got. Yep. Um, I raved about its print quality, but in general, the particular machine they sent me, and I'm hoping it was just my machine, but it was just crap. And I'm not afraid to tell you, hey, there's a great printer if you want beautiful printing at a great price and a lot of good functionality, but... Here's a whole long list of things why you won't like it. And I'm not afraid to do that. And if it means the manufacturer doesn't want me to write about them anymore, that's fine. But I'm not going to change it because they get upset or they tell me I have to say something. You know, uh, you can't buy me for a review. Sorry. It's, it, it comes down to integrity. And if you're for sale, you don't have integrity. Um, why would anyone believe you? It, well, at the end of the day... If you're just writing good things about products or you're only talking about the stuff that's really cool to you, you know, I think you lose credibility there and you have to be critical. (laughs) You have to be able to point out the crap because at the end of the day, if someone's going out to spend money, they know you like this product, but what about that product? Well, they wouldn't know. So if you never say, if you never write about things you don't like, then people don't even need to read your reviews. They That's just right. look at the title and see your name and go, okay, he wrote about that. He must have liked it. That's right. Um, my wife is a, a blogger in the food industry. Um, I'll plug her. It's called Will Write for Food. She's actually, um, she teaches people how to write about food. So if you want to do a cookbook or a food blog, she teaches people how to do that. And one of her big gripes in, in the food industry, it's really bad. Um, there are bloggers who have had their whole kitchens made over by companies for the people, so that people will write about their stuff in their blog. And to me, that just that just infuriates me. Yeah, that's you know. Uh, and there are some bloggers who say, "Well, if I don't like it, I won't write at all. I only write about things I like." And it's hard to know because what's happening is someone's giving them a trip to Mexico, or they're giving them, you know. Well, this t- has always been going on. This used to be the the thing with the tech press. You remember? Yeah, companies would fly you out to Switzerland to look at their new, you know, yeah. gid gadget or whatever the hell it was and they would put you in a hotel they would play first class airfare uh they would feed you and dine you and show you the product and then feed you and dine you and send you back in first class with a free copy of it and yeah. you know your natural <laughs> inclination is not to say too much negative even if it's a crap product you're gonna find you go something <laughs> i i get it but you know again that's the whole integrity thing you 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 either have it or you don't and Before, i like oh, to say I, I that kind of thing doesn't influence me but i think it influences everybody influences to a certain everyone. extent so i just don't put myself in the situations that you know i would ha- i would be influenced i used to walk the ces show with uh someone from the new york times before before pogue was doing what he's doing i won't mention names but mm-hmm. uh we got invited uh we got you get these invites and we got invited to a um, a dinner by Casio. And so we went to this thing, and this guy wouldn't eat. 
and then they were giving out watches and little keyboards, and he wouldn't take any of it. And I looked at him, and I said, well, why don't you take that? And he goes, I'm not allowed to take anything valued over $25. There you go. And, and, he, and I said, really, why? And he, he's the one who taught me. He said, because that would influence me, you know. And I said, but it's just a meal. He says, yeah, but that meal would cost me 40 bucks if I went and bought it. That's Therefore, right. To, so he, he would sit there, and he would take notes. He'd listen to the talk, wouldn't touch or take anything. Well, one of the problems that I ran into, because uh, I own my Mac.com, uh, when I was on that year, I guess you'd call it a sabbatical away from my Mac, when yeah. I was doing the contract work at Otherworld Computing, I wasn't an employee there. I was doing contract work. Right. You know, they hired, in essence, my company, which was, you know, me, uh, to do this work. Well, while I was there, I think I had only been there for maybe a month and a half to two months. David Weeks wrote a review on their Sandforce SSD hard drive. I remember that. (laughs) And uh, it was mostly a positive review, but his big contention was the price was outrageous. And he marked it down because of that. That, you know, it's a great product, this, that, and the other, but at this price point, it's it's only, I think he gave it like a, a 6 or a 7 out of 10. And he uh-huh. said right in the review <laughs> that it's a full point less because of the review. So they called me in. I was there, but they called me in the office wanting to know, not even asking me, kind of telling me that I need to go talk to David and get this review updated and not mark them down for the price. And I told them straight out, I said, I can't do that. And they're like, well, you're the owner of the site. You can do that. And I oh, said, really? yeah. Wow. And I said, well, you need to understand. Yes, I own the site. But when it comes to their opinion on product reviews, I have no say so. I may call them out if they give a perfect review for something and they yet they list all these things that are negative. Or if they give it a really crappy review, but they don't really mention any of the crappy things in the review, then why is it a, a four out of ten if... It's got all these things going great for it. And you didn't mention anything negative. But I said, you know, in this case, he's got a good point. Your your hard drive, it was like $349 or something. I said, okay. at that price point, I too would mark it down in a review because that's prohibitively it's expensive. expensive. Yeah. I mean, it, it, of course he's going to mark it down for that. But they really thought simply by, since they were already paying me to do work for them, Oh, that you would make the change. That I would make the change. And I made it quite clear that that's not who I am. And I told him, I said, look, you didn't hire me because I'll do whatever you told me. You you hired me because of the stuff that I've done in the past. Yeah, I'm looking here. July 11, 2006. No, it was... It was, uh, it was he marked 2000. that one down, too. Mercury on the go. So that's not the right one. No, right? it was a 2009 one. Okay. I'm just and, trying to see if I can find it while you're talking. And, uh, you know, it, it's, just, it's just one of those things that... It was, it was very expensive. It was an SSD drive. So if you kind, of, I think if you look for SSD ah, on the okay. site, I'll look while you're looking because now I'm kind of curious on exactly. But you know, and they weren't. <laughs> let, let's be honest. SSD and then weeks. There's um, one in February eighth, twenty ten. That wouldn't be it, right? Um, Mercury Elite All Pro Mini. No, that's an external hard drive. Right. This was an internal hard drive. Well, I'll look it up later. You got me. Can yeah. you give that one a 10 out of 10? So that was yeah. actually on OWC's site, that review. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it wasn't a, I mean, it was mostly a positive review, the speed increase and all that. But they they didn't see where I would have a problem of adjusting that review. But okay. that's the difference between a company who makes a product and a company who reviews products. And I told them, I said, look, we're not an advocate for your company or any other company. We're not there to promote your products. We are an advocate for the consumer, the person who wants to buy the product. And we take the stance of, if I am going to buy this, is it worth this? Regardless of what the company may think. That's right. And In fact, that's what you want. The, the I mean, you're trying to tell the user, hi, we're going to tell you how this works, how it looks, Here's how. Here's the the pro and con. And I think I know when I read reviews, and, and I'll go back to what my wife was saying. We read these reviews in, in, on her from her foodie friends, 
and it, they're all glowing how fantastic they are. You know, okay, someone you went to a restaurant it. and they got their their. It's this is how bad it is. There are some food bloggers who actually ask to be comped their meal in advance. Yeah, that's just because okay? they're reviewing. And I'll tell you, my wife was a food <laughs> reviewer for a while. She worked for a magazine. I mean, a newspaper in San Francisco. Um, like everybody she's known before, she didn't say she. We made reservations under my name. I have a different last name than she does, so people wouldn't know who she was. Yeah, because you don't want them to know. If, if you go to a restaurant and you say, "Hi, I'm reviewing for a newspaper," you're going to get the treat, best of the best. Oh, they're going to treat you well. The kitchen's going to make sure everything comes out right. You know, but how do you know that's real? And we used to have to also went three times. So people who write a review of a restaurant the first time and go only once. You know, what if they had an exceptionally good day or an exceptionally bad day? I, I read these things on, um, what's that, on Yelp.com. Yeah. Where someone goes to a restaurant and, oh, the, the, the uh, waiter sucked and the service was awful, you know. and well, Go back again. Try it again. You know, go back twice more. Maybe it's just a bad day. I've, I've gone to restaurants I think are great and have had bad days at them, you know. But my, by the same token, I mean, it's still an honest review. It's an honest review for that single time. But okay. but that's the time that the person was there, right? And it, and it's incumbent upon that restaurant to make sure that every day is a good day, that every service is a good service. Should be, should be. Now, so I'll, I'll take that to technology. I've got products where when I've turned them on, they sucked, and uh, and one of my and, you know I do a lot of Kensington. I happen to like the Kensington products, and I've got a few out of the box that weren't so great, and I've called the PR person and. She's actually sent me another one, and lo and behold, the other one was fine. So, like, this is a so this is a digression into a pet peeve of mine. Um, I'm guessing about six years ago, maybe a little longer, the cost of testing became so prohibitive that electronic companies stopped doing it. You know, some do, of them. Yeah, well, they do automated testing, but they can't afford to pay someone to run it through its paces. Okay, uh, the one that that's the most obvious in is cell phones. Uh, the cost of cell phones have become so cheap, and I don't mean like iPhones in general, but, you know, little pocket phones, that they send them to the store, and it's the job of the guy who sets it up for you to actually make sure it works. Yeah. Uh, and I think, to some extent, that might even be true with the iPhone. I went through four before, my iPhone 4, before I got one that didn't have any flaws. And Apple was fine. They kept swapping them out. But it's too expensive to test. So when I write a review, if I find a unit doesn't work or it's bad, I try to get another one. I try to check to make sure I didn't get just one bad one. Now, I will mention the first one that came out of the box was bad. But it's me. I want to know if it's just a bad unit or it's just something that sucks in the whole design. You You actually found that uh, and and sent me the text. It's the OWC 64-gigabyte solid-state drive on-the-go case review from David Weeks, November thirtieth, two 2009. Right. Yeah, I found that while we were talking. Yeah, and he gave it a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Uh, he says, well, a well-built solid-state device. Uh, he talks about the price there. Purchase OWC the- charges three twenty-nine for the 64-gigabyte version. By comparison, a 750-gigabyte conventional hard drive um, in the excellent on-the-go case costs two forty-nine. That's 11.5 times higher the storage space for 25% of the cost. Or yeah. 25% less cost. Sadly, solid-state drives are still expensive. It's still, but they are starting to come down. Yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping Apple puts them in more. The more Apple puts them in machines, the more likely they are to lower in price. Yeah, but the big problem right now is they had that big uh, flood in Taiwan. Yeah. And it destroyed uh, a lot of infrastructure, and a lot of hard drives are made there. Uh, the The price of hard drives are, are going up 25% over the next two weeks. Ouch. So... Keep that in mind. If you're thinking about buying a hard drive, check prices right now. If the prices look good, buy now. Those prices will be going up very, very soon. You mean like this? Here, look at that link. <laughs> I just sent Tim a picture of a Sony building that is yeah. uh, the, wow. the water The water comes above the shipping dock door. Wow, that's so, an amazing picture. That, yeah, it's just that gives you an idea how bad that is. It's a... Uh, this building shows the Sony building. You can't even see the plants and trees that were planted around it. The water so high. I'll, I'll use uh, this as the graphic for this episode. <laughs> it's, so so this, we need guys, to talk oh about Sony going underwater here. <laughs> uh, you know, the funny part is, this came up in discussion with some friends of mine the other day. If you walked into my house 10 years ago, 12 years ago, everything was Sony. Yeah. 
I had Sony radios and Sony TVs and Sony VCRs. And I, uh, I mean, I loved Sony. I, Sony head, I'm wearing a pair of Sony headphones now. Uh, I, I mean, I spent so much money on Sony. Uh, I wouldn't buy anything else. And now, well, there was a reason. There was, uh, Sony made quality products. Oh, it was amazing stuff. Uh, the TV that I until I got an HD TV in my room where I where my wife and I watch TV, I had a Sony video monitor from 1977. But it, it worked great a, too. It was this big black box that looks like it has handles. It's yeah, I, kind of, I know exactly the one you're talking about. Right. It's meant for studios. It's not meant for the home. But um, Fry's Electronics, for those of you in, that know Fry's, uh, a geek store for everything geek. Yep. Uh, they were sold as uh, component televisions. So I already had an amplifier for my audio, and I already had stereo speakers. I was using. I just wanted a monitor. And Sony came out with that, and I bought it. That thing lasted until probably... Three years ago, four years ago. Wow! And uh, and it, it was repaired twice for minor repairs, and then four years ago, all the magic smoke came out. I have a uh, Sony flat screen, and of course a PS3. And I'm right. trying to think if, if there's anything else that I own. Of I'm sure I have a couple headphones that are Sony, but I don't use them on a regular basis. But you know that name is kind of what Apple is today. That name was the Apple product of the time, yeah. Of the 70s and the 80s, Sony was it. And it's funny you should mention that, because Sony, the creator of the Walkman, the yep. first portable music device, really should have owned the M3 well, music world. And I've talked about my first uh, article about the iPod, uh, and my review, I believe, was critical in 2001. And I said, A, it's overpriced. B, um Apple isn't compatible with PCs with this device. And C, once Sony gets into this portable digital music player, Apple is done. I thought so, too. And uh, I I think I might have been wrong on those. But (laughs) (laughs) that's just me. Poor Sony. I I have somewhere in my closet of of old technology that I'm slowly finally throwing it away. I have a terrible time throwing away old stuff. Um, I found the Sony MP3 player. That actually came with a pair of noise canceling headphones in yeah. the ear, bud canceling headphones, and it just getting music onto it was like like pulling teeth. You had to use a special Sony program, and it did a conversion. And once you got music onto it, it was there. You couldn't get it back off because it did it in a custom Sony format. And I just looked at what what happened to Sony being the easy to use products. Um, Sony cor- Sony forecasts. $1.2 billion loss yeah. for the year. They lost almost $8.5 billion. No, it's not, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, they've okay. lost $8.5 billion from televisions over the last eight years. Wow. And the reason they've done that is because they're selling them as loss. That's funny, and they're still to it. I mean, I didn't, when I looked to buy my big screen TV, I ended up buying a Samsung because I thought the picture was just as good. And, by the way, Sony and Samsung shared a glass factory. So yeah, the, with Panasonic. Just, and with Panasonic, maybe, yeah. I can't remember who the third was. Is it Panasonic? Okay. Yes. But So the glass was fairly good, but the Sony was another 40% more money. Yeah. They said, um, management's thing at Sony, uh, they have a TV business profitability improvement plan, which aims <laughs> to return the business to profitability by March 31st, 2014. Uh, and, you know, Howard Stringer is the CEO of Sony. How does he keep his job? I don't understand that. Well, they'll give him a bonus. Yeah, probably. I mean, if it works like, if it works like, yeah. I don't, see, I live in Oakland. I don't know if Tim mentioned that. So I'm in the middle of this Occupy nonsense. Wall Street, yeah. Mm. I like you the are, idea. I just, I, I still don't know what the hell they're talking about. Well, I like the idea too, but I but there's not a message yet. But that's what I'm saying. There's yeah. no leader and there's no message. It's just it's just a bunch of people protesting to protest and Well, they're angry eh. that, that there's one percent of the country that has all the money and power. Well, um, it's been like that since this country was founded. It's 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 like getting angry because it rains occasionally in Seattle. <laughs> I mean it's Seattle. Of course it's gonna rain. Well but, the the point the point I was gonna make is that um how, executives like this guy and 
Um, Howard Stringer. I understand how how an American is the. CEO. He's not. He's English. English. Okay. So I know he was used to run some stuff in the U.S. But anyway, he's in charge of a Japanese company, which is unusual. But ever since he started, I don't think Sony has done well. No. And they'll give well, these guys they were already, million they were, bonuses to, to pull it out. To be fair, they were doing really, really bad when they brought him in to run the company. Yeah. They thought this was going to be the magic bullet. And obviously, the problems at Sony are much more deep-seated than whoever the CEO is. Um Personally, I think Apple should just buy Sony and Nintendo and be done with it, but regardless. <laughs> so with that, we're going to take our first commercial break, and uh, I'll be right back, Tim Robertson, with Owen Rubin. Hey, guys, time to record our latest promo. Uh, hang on, I'm just finishing my For Mac Eyes Only segment. Come on, we need to spread the word about the MyMac.com podcast. I know, I know, I'm just touching up my review for the Mac Review Cast. We need to get it out there that we discuss Mac news, rumors, new products, old products. We tell everyone about the great new info available at the MyMac.com website. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm tweeting about my chit-chat across the pond with Allison on the NoSillaCast. We need to tell the listeners about the other MyMac family of podcasts and what fun we have on our show, not to mention the great software picks we have every week. Uh, wait, I'm dashing off an email to my international Mac podcast cohorts about next week's show. Hey, we have a weekly show too. I'm surprised you have time to squeeze in the MyMac.com podcast into your schedule. Uh, uh, hang on, I just have to update my website. I don't don't have time for this. Okay, Guy, let's do it. Guy, I'm ready when you are. Guy, Guy, oh well, the MyMac.com podcast. Talking about the Mac and having a good time doing it. Back on Tech Fan episode number 54, I'm Tim Robertson, joined by Owen Rubin from MyMac.com and uh, formerly an, uh, an Apple employee, an Atari employee, a uh, let's see what other companies that people I may know. For, I worked for the phone company. I you worked for the phone company. Crazies that was on. We our, my teams created what I consider to be the first commercial broadband. So mid early nineties, mid nineties, we built the first network that brought fiber to the neighborhood, and where you got te- telephone, high speed cable data, and digital and analog television over a single coax drop to your house. We did it first. Uh, you know, one of the neat things that I've been reading about, and this is coming from 9to5Mac, and I, I try to avoid talking too much about Apple and stuff because the company uh, I work for is an Apple specialist. So there is definitely a conflict of interest when it comes to me saying anything really negative or positive about Apple. Uh, but I will talk about the products because I think people who who know me and who followed me know that... Um, I'm going to speak my mind on what I really believe. I, I won't. I won't sugarcoat things. Um, it's called the Easy Pay, and I don't know if you've been keep, keeping on top of this, Anna, uh, Owen. It's one of the, it's. Um, it, it ought to be ready about the same time the new Music Match service yeah. is actually running. <laughs> Basically, you could go into an Apple Store. You can use the iPhone, the App Store app on your phone, iPhone. You could scan in a barcode, and it will take the payment from whatever payment method you have linked, credit card or PayPal, in your iTunes account. Can I pay with my iTunes balance? Yes. You can? You can. I always wanted to be able to buy stuff with that balance, other than buy apps. Oh, you mean like from a card? once Once I got my iPhone, everybody thought I needed a gift card, so... I have way too much money in my iTunes account. I, I believe you can because I think it just looks at whatever your balance is and it just deducts it. Very cool. Yeah, I'm looking at their article you were mentioning before, Easy Pay. That's very cool. I mean, that's it's funny. I'm going to mention a competitor here, Microsoft. I saw a talk by Bill Gates. Boy, this was in. So I was part of a of a group at Microsoft called Insight, and Insight was. Um, an advanced technology group of Microsoft that basically collected people from all over. So I was working for <clears throat> PacBell, AT&T, slash SBC, whatever they were called during that week. Um, and they invited the tech leads up to be part of this. So we went up there once a quarter and spent a week at Microsoft trying to figure out what the next big thing was. And he showed this great video of using your uh, using your pocket phone to pay for things. Yeah, they've been doing that in Japan for a long time. So I'm talking about 1997. Yeah, Bill Gates said, "You know, you'll just pop this thing out." And he showed, you know, I'd walk up to you and I pointed at you, 
and I press a button and I pay you. Now Citibank, is it Citibank or Chase? One of the two lets you do it with your iPhone. You can just pay your buddy by typing in their email address. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the ad on TV for Chase Easy Pay, Chase Quick Pay. So uh, the ad they show is a bunch of people sitting around the table. The guy at the end says, okay, it comes to $11.30 each, and everybody picks out their phones and taps, and the guy has his money. Hmm. And this was something Bill thought would happen way back then, 12, 13 years ago. You know, so it's, I mean, it took, a, I guess it took a long time for the technology to be ready and secure enough. But I think this now, and I said, this is cool. It's my wallet is my phone. I think it's a, it's something that I'm interested in. If a central place that I could pull money from without it necessarily being, um, I don't want to say credit card, but. Well, it'd be more like I, a debit card. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it would attach to your bank account or your savings account or a balance. I mean, I don't, I don't want to have to move money to some place to use this. Um, the ideal, if this vision, if I could find this video while we're talking, I'll go search for it. You know, he showed walking up to a soda machine and you just tap a button on your phone and boom, out, out, out pops your Mountain Dew. You know, you know, <laughs> you know. Bill Gates had some really good ideas. Except he never did anything with them. Never did anything with them. Or maybe his guys never did anything with them. Was- or people are telling him these ideas and he's just parroting them on stage. Which I think is probably more of the case. Uh, I posted on October 25th on my Facebook profile after someone had asked me this question. I wrote, uh, someone asked me today the difference between Gates and Jobs. Easy. Huh. One was a visionary and one was the world's greatest opportunist. If you don't know which is which, you don't know history. <laughs> and I thought I still th- I I really do believe that. Yeah, Jobs definitely had a an understanding of what people wanted. I mean, um, we were t- this was came up in conversation at a dinner the other night. Um, someone who knew him quite well was saying, "I really don't understand why everybody was talking about how nice a guy Bill uh, Steve Jobs was." That wasn't one of the things I would list as his, his number one. I, I I've never come out and said that he seemed like a really nice guy to me. In fact, I mean, I've said I brilliant. probably couldn't work for Steve Jobs. <laughs> I because I have this thing called an opinion, and you know I don't. If someone, I I just don't take shit from people. I guess. Well, his what was his quote from the Stanford speech about you know don't let people tell you what to do and right. and, and stand your ground and I thought well that applies unless you work for Steve yeah in which case if you did that he'd fire you uh, you know uh, are you reading but, the book or did you read the book the book is on its way I haven't got it yet yeah. uh, the person I it got lent to someone else before I could read it because I was finishing another book that I'm going to plug book plug um, if you're at all into video games. Uh, and you're old enough to remember the 1980s. Uh, you're going to make me spend money here. I can already tell. You need this put to buy this book called Ready Player One. Oh, I. <laughs> are you reading it or are you done? I'm done. Oh my so god! No Isn't this so fantastic? This book is. I, I'll give the I'll give the overview without giving a spoiler. The story takes place in the future, of a world that is just falling apart. You know, it, the, overcrowded. People are living in, in trailers stacked 20 high on top of each other. Um, it's just not a good world. And this particular company has created a virtual world um, where you wear uh, special goggles and haptic gloves. And that's where people escape to. They escape into this virtual world. to get. And the guy who created it, this is the opening of the book, very start, he dies and has no heirs and nobody to leave his money to. And the story revolves around that, and it, it t- and the guy was a real fan of the eighty early eight mid to early eighties video game and computer era, and it makes so many references to that era. If you remember it at all, you'll just read it with a grin on your face from end to end. Uh, and it's just it's a very good book. I, I highly recommend it. I haven't recommended a book in a long time. It's that called one. Ready Player One. In fact, I'm gonna I gotta send Owen something. And to do so, we have to stop recording. So we're going to take our last break, and we'll be back here, and Owen can comment on what I send him. So uh, stay tuned. Hey, Guy, have you heard about Not Another Mac Podcast? Oh, not another Mac Podcast. Yeah, so you've heard of it then. Heard of what? Not Another Mac Podcast. Gaz, you keep repeating yourself. I'm just telling you the name of the show. No, you don't. You keep telling me about Not Another Mac Podcast. Yep, that's the one. What's the one? 
Not Another Mac podcast. Guess you nitwit Brit, have, have you been drinking? No, you big yank tank. Listen. Not Another Mac podcast is a roundtable discussion with Mac users and experts from all over the world. Hey, Gaz, we've been on that podcast. Are we experts now? Oh, brother. So, who's on first? What's on second? Third base. Not Another Mac podcast is part of the My Mac Podcasting Network. You can find us in iTunes by searching for Not Another Mac podcast or get it through the My Mac Potpourri podcast feed. Okay, and we're back, and we were talking about Ready Player One. And go ahead on. Uh, so I, I just got a video from, from Tim. He emailed me this video. That I uh, sent out originally uh, September 10th to uh, and, another guy that was reading this book. So I, I don't want to give away anything in the book. but I don't a, think this really gives it away. There's I, a it, section of the book that deals with adventure games. And he, they talk about adventure games in, in detail. And that really revolves around the theme of the book. And in the middle, uh, probably probably a third of the way in the book, they start talking about a TRS-80, as we used to call them, trash 80s, uh, sold by Radio Shack. It was, um, I don't know how to describe it, it's a small portable, com- a small little, little computer plugged into your TV. Yep. And so Tim has one, and Tim only has one cartridge for it, and it turns out the cartridge he has is the one that was mentioned in the book, the Dungeons & Dragons car- game cartridge. It, no, it, it's called, it's, it's not Dungeons & Dragons, called Dungeons of Dra- uh, Dun- yeah. Daggerath. Daggerath, right. Which is so, an obscure game that most people have never, ever heard of. And it's yeah, one of my was, all-time favorite games. It was one of the only reasons to own a TRS-80. It right. was just this wonderful game at the time. Uh, and it's funny because it plays... It plays a significant role in the book, and this is the one cartridge that I have for the TRS eighty. And I'm the reading this. You still have your TRS eighty is impressive. Uh, we actually, it's not. It wasn't the one that I had originally. Okay. Uh, I never owned a TRS eighty back in the day. Uh, a friend of mine did, and I used to go over to his house, and I'd spend the night, and we would stay up to two in the morning playing this game. <laughs> I don't know if you ever played Dungeons of Daggerath, but I did. It was a fantastic game. Through. I never got all the way through. Oh, he got to the he got to the bottom dungeon once and won, but got, I, I never did. To someone else like you, I went to someone else's house mm-hmm. and played. But, so uh, you know, I I, w- I had I loved this game as a kid, just loved it. And uh, so you remember what we did the Mac mod where we turned an Atari twenty six hundred into a Macintosh, right? And it was a video series that <coughs> excuse me, Chad Perry and I did. Uh, back in, I don't know, 2002, 2000, I don't know, something like that. And uh, somebody who watched that thought it was really cool. And he said, you know, you should do it, but use a TRS-80 and turn that into a Macintosh. Uh. And so, jokingly, I replied, well, if you want to send me uh, a TRS-80, my address is on the website. I don't have one. <laughs> but I, I had no plans to do it. And about two weeks later, I get a... a postage from uh ups and i didn't order anything so i opened this thing up and it's a brand i'm not kidding you here at all i'm not it's a brand new still in the box still with the plastic over it trs 80 and that's the one you saw in the video yeah i mean the thing is that thing didn't look like it was ever used it was it was never used the in fact uh for those of you who can't see, Tim is holding it up to the his Skype camera. It, it's so. it's it's brand new, dude. I mean, yeah, this thing is clean. There's not a scratch on it. No, I mean, look at underneath it. Has it ever been turned on? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing I did. Um, the only old computer I still have left. I don't know, I don't have my camera on, but I have a Atari 800 sitting mm-hmm. behind me. Uh, although. I just realized that I lost my video cable, so I, it only plays on the TV. Yeah, you can you pick have one to up. Make a special cable. Yeah, you a can special pick, connector. Now they they uh they have them, um, and actually they have those cables that will uh, allow you to plug it into an HDTV now too. You got they're kind cool. of expensive, but you can get them on eBay. Um, but no, I got that, and I, I thought I'm not, I I could never destroy this. <laughs> to, I mean, if it was an old beat up one that I picked up at a flea market or something, sure. But How did you a, get the cartridge. Well, uh, obviously, I got the TRS eighty, and I didn't have anything to turn on and play with it and i remembered that game but i could not remember the name so it took me about uh, maybe another two weeks before i finally found that game what it was called 
uh, I found a website that this guy was actually going to recreate the game via a web browser. He said it would be very easy. I mean, you know, a TRS-80 game, playing it on in a web browser would be easy. Uh, but he never finished it, and that website seems to be abandoned at a certain point. But it at least led me to the name of the game, and I jumped on eBay, and I found it for a buck. So I just bought it. Wow. Wait a minute. As you were typing this, I see something here that says, Dungeons of Daggereth Download. Well, PC Part Project Download. Uh, so, uh, HTTP M Spencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R, uh-huh. dot net, yep. slash D-A-G-G-O-R-A-T-H, slash D-O-D Download. Yeah, so... There, I will put like this, this guy in. It. I'll, I'll put this in a. Uh, it's only Windows and Linux, so you might be able to run it on the Linux part. Might work under the the terminal on a, on a Mac. Well, I'm. I also have uh, uh, Fusion Four. You, okay, I run Parallels, but yes, uh, same thing. And I'm. I've got Windows on that, but I. You know, if you look at the top of that website, you could see the little animation thing, and that's exactly what the game looked like. Right. And you had to use commands on the keyboard like attack with your right hand, so attack right, attack right, attack right, or run, 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 run. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> run away. Uh, and this, the, you know, the most recent development on this was uh, okay. Was May sixth, two thousand and nine. Yeah. So but, it's I I don't know if it works or not, but it's worth. Uh, well, while you're talking, I, I would hit the download button, but I don't want to mess up Skype. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm laughing though. The picture on the left at the top shows somebody running backwards. My picture on the right. Oh yes, it does. <laughs> it does. I didn't notice that at first. That is kind of an optical illusion. Unless you're really looking at it, you don't notice that. So digressing into you said VMware and I said parallels. Um, so I got a couple new toys recently. I got my first iPad. I've never owned an iPad before, and I, I remember talking that, last year to you at MacWorld about. Uh, the iPad, and you were like, eh, I've got an iPhone or an iPod Touch. I have an Touch. iPhone and I have a computer, and I carry my computer yeah. everywhere. And I thought, I don't need this. It, there is something wrong with it. It seems to be stuck <coughs> to my hand. I know, I hate that. It <laughs> Mine does the same thing. It even follows me in the bathroom. It's kind it of embarrassing. In the bathroom. It's a, there's something wrong there. I don't get it. I, I must admit, now that I have one, I can understand why people love this thing. It's just amazing. Um, but I also got a, a new MacBook Pro, uh, uh, an i7. With Lion, and I gotta tell you, fifteen. Yeah, I gotta tell you. Uh, so sitting on my desk during a normal workday is my old MacBook, the the first uh, unibody aluminum all in one. So that's a Core Two Duo, uh, and then and this fifteen inch iMac, and the Core Two is running Snow Leopard, and the the new Mac is running Lion. And I gotta tell you, I don't like Lion. I am totally disappointed by it. I it's slow to respond. It seems to take the, the interface seems to take forever to do stuff. And the reason I thought about this is because I installed I, I, I use Quicken and this is a middle finger up to Intuit again who can't seem to requ- re- release a new version of Quicken for Intel Max. The last version they did with 2007, it doesn't run. It doesn't run on LAN. So I said, okay, well, I'll install Parallels. Uh, I violated my license terms by hacking. Uh, Leopard, I mean, uh, Parallels to run Snow Leopard, and I'm not going to say how I did that, but it's doable. So I have, and I didn't download anything illegal. It turns out there's a there's a workaround, uh, which I can say if you want. I can go you, ahead. I don't care. So, so Parallels will only run the server version of Leopard Snow Leopard. Huh. Okay. You can only run the server version, I, and I'm assuming that's because Apple didn't want you to run a virtual machine. So if you happen to have the server version DVD, you boot your Parallels with that disk. So Parallels comes up to the install screen, and you walk all the way up to the point where it says to install on which hard drive, and then you type the ins- then you put in the DVD for Snow Leopard, the standard one, and you type the install command manually into the terminal, and it will install it into Parallels and run Snow Leopard. Wow. Hmm. Uh, there are a few little gotchas that we have to know about, but it works. So I brought up Snow Leopard and I ran it. And this is the sad part. Snow Leopard running in parallels 
is on my 15 inches more responsive in the interface than Lion is running native. I'm not really surprised. I think that uh, that was sad. That was just sad. It is. Why they changed a lot. Well, let's be honest, though. Snow Leopard really didn't change a whole lot between Leopard and Snow Leopard. I agree. Um, It was mostly for the developer community, and there was a lot of speed improvements and that sort of thing. Lion is a different beast. The whole back-to-the-Mac thing. They were taking some of the core features that they thought, they being Apple, they thought would benefit Mac users that they kind of learned from the iOS I agree. Um, and so I, I think that until we get probably a point four release of Snow, of Lion, um, it's going to be clunky. It's going to be a little clunky. And now I, I'm running it on both I, of my machines now. But Okay. I mean, I want, the cl- I want Cloud, and I can't get Cloud with Snow Leopard. Right. So I'm going to have to go to Lion. Yep. But and it, as well as iOS 5 with Cloud. Well, I got so. iOS, everything I've got iOS 5. I, I was reading all the horror stories that some of the MyMac staffers were having. I didn't mine, have any problems. Mine's updated just fine. Yeah, so um, mine. I didn't do mine the day it came out, though. I did not either. Well, I, wait, I, I waited a day and a half. Before it came out. I'm yeah. a developer, so I got the GM release early. Right. Um, but I, to me, this is what went through my mind. I looked and said, oh my god, this is Apple's Vista. It's got all these great new features. But it's not compatible with a lot of old stuff. I, I still don't understand why they got rid of um, the PowerPC emulator. I don't know why it was necessary, but you know they're moving on. Uh, for me, it was it was over twenty five apps that I play with didn't work. Wow, that's so significant. That's a, it's a bunch of little. I mean, most of them are little utilities, sound utilities, conversion utilities, stuff like that. Even Microsoft, are you listening? There are things in office 2011 that are not compatible yep uh like like copying a spreadsheet into a word document but by the office. same token apple can't make an io uh, uh, a, the mac os new versions that isn't going to break compatibility if no, they want to move that. forward but there's some things that i just don't understand the way the mac os lion routes sound in your system as right. compared to snow leopard i I don't see any inherent benefit to the way they're doing it now compared to the way they did it before, and it broke a lot of utilities. It did. I saw that was what I was just going to say. The sound stuff is messed up. Yep. Uh, and I, my guess is that something new is coming in hardware that they're doing that for. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, or maybe being able to play music while the machine is asleep or something. I, you know, maybe something is coming. Um, I, I don't have so many problems with the incompatibilities, only because. I expect that with the new OS. And There's a I, lot more than I expected. But I expect that those incompatibilities aren't necessarily Apple's problems. It's the, it's the developers. And a lot of developers, let's be honest, are very, very slow to react. Yeah, now, I'm, I agree with you. Uh, let's go back to my nemesis here, into it. Um, Quicken has not been updated since 2007. So right. it's, it's written on a PowerPC base. I agree that Apple at some point has to say, look, we're not supporting that anymore. And that's what happened here. They just said, look, if, you're, if the developer hasn't caught up in four years... That's their problem. That's their problem. Right. And uh, I know the guy, I won't mention his name, I, that someone I worked with at Apple has just become the Macintosh product manager at Intuit. And I emailed him and I said, you need to fix this. And his answer basically was, well, there's, there's essentials. Yeah. And I said, well, Essentials is the worst piece of crap I've seen from Intuit in a long time. If you're a real Quicken user, you don't want Essentials. So then he said, same thing. He says, this is the same thing that was in the email they sent to everybody. Well, you can just switch to the Windows version, which sort of infuriates me because, A, the reason I went to I, I'm on a Mac is because I don't want to be on Windows. But even if I said, okay, I'll switch to the Windows version, I run it in parallels, they don't supply a tool it transfers all the data from the Mac version into the Windows version. Not their problem. Well, they're the one telling you to go to Windows. They have an export function. It leaves behind half your data. When has that? When has Intuit ever been a really good customer-focused company? Well, they're worse now. Yeah. I mean, if sadly, that's hard to it believe. Means, it, sadly, now it means I'll probably use tax cut from in, from uh, uh, instead of TurboTax this year because I'm just so angry with that company that I don't want to pay them any money. Uh, I just, you know, they have they support the Windows version still. And when I see numbers like they showed at the last 
Mac intro where PC is growing at 4%, but Mac is growing at 24%. You'd think you'd want to support that field with your products. I mean, they started as a Mac product, didn't yep. they? Yes, they did. Yeah. So I just feel I, I feel left behind on that. That was a digression. I'm sorry. but No, uh, I think it's information that you know people listening to this show would probably be interested in. That said, my 15-inch MacBook Pro, when it does things and runs, it's fast. It's just that interface, that, that Finder interface has just got... It seems like you click on stuff and nothing happens for a while. Yep. And, and it's, it's kind of... I thought, you know, I, you know, I made the mistake of doing a migration. I thought, oh, I migrated from my old machine to my new one, and I probably brought stuff over that I shouldn't have. But uh, it turns out, no, that wasn't the reason. <laughs> no, it gets a little buggy. Um, but I, I also expect that with... Look, I mean, there's just literally millions of things you could do with your Mac nowadays, and there's no way that Apple can really test every scenario. Agreed. But with that being said, this seems like the buggiest Mac OS release I've seen in since probably Puma. Well, it is the it's the biggest jump in in usability interface. Yes, uh, since I think OS 10 came out. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd agree with you know, that. And remember, we went from OS 9 to OS 10. Everybody, oh, it's incompatible. It doesn't do all these things. And, you know, they gave you that, that little in-screen emulator that used to launch. Remember classic mode? Yep. Uh, that, that's the way they tried to handle that. And that was a buggy piece of software. That could, it took, that it took Mac OS X until, realistically, 10.4 no, before it became as I can do everything I need to do on yeah. my Mac under OS X. So I'll give this new one a little time, but it just I, I was I was upset by it because I thought, oh, this is gonna be so great! I, I get to work online. And I just I, I hate to tell you, twenty nine dollars is about what it's worth. <laughs> well, mm, <laughs> you know? yeah. and, but I want the cloud, so I have to move over, and, and so that means I'll have to take my other machine. So this has been an experiment. Now that I've moved, I did a migration, so now I know what it will be like when I go take my old my thirteen inch MacBook and. So, uh, and Upgrade it to Lion. So let me ask you, Owen, does it feel like we've been talking, recording here for 50 minutes? No. Yeah, these podcasts go fast, don't they? Wow. It's, uh... There's always a lot to talk about. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about TechFan, that we don't really have a mandate. We have to talk about this type of product or, you know, this small little ecosystem in the tech world that we're pretty much here to talk about almost anything. And In fact, when we first started recording... Uh, the first segment originally was going to be headphones, and we never even talked about them. We <laughs> talked about headphones. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to them sometime. But well, I do. I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime you want. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, and as always, I like having you on uh, the podcast. We have great conversations. It's yeah. always fun. Um, that you know, last week was a different show for Tech Fan in that we had the whole switch week. So, <laughs> if you guys listened to Tech Fan last week and you're thinking, I wonder what Tim did, you have to go listen to that week's uh, Not Another Mac podcast. We had a just a fantastic conversation over there, and it was a lot of fun. But Tech Fan's back, David will be back next week, as far as I know. Um, we'd love to hear back from you guys. It's feedback at mymac.com. Or yeah, you can you leave. Let me know how I did my little parallels thing. Send Tim a message, and maybe I'll post it on the site. There you go. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be people going. Whoa, wait a minute! I didn't take notes. Um, and the easiest way to get heard on the show is to call our Skype number and leave a message. It's one eight zero one nine three eight five 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 nine. We also encourage you to go check out all the other shows in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Um, if you go to the site, right in the middle of. Uh, the menu bar it says My Mac Podcasting Network. If you click that, that's all the different shows that we are currently producing. Which is how many are there right now? Well, let's see. There's the My Mac Show. There's Tech Fan. There's Pocket Size Podcast. There's Not Another Mac Podcast. There's the Mac Specialist Podcast. There's the Geekiest Show Ever, and there's App Minute. So that's what nine shows. One, so two, when are you going to like make this thing real and have some shows? Seven shows. <laughs> We are, there's going to be some good, let me, there's going to be some really big news about the network as well as a particular show on the network. Um, As far as the particular show, I could give you a little bit of detail. Uh, Sam Levin's not going to be the only person producing at minute anymore. Uh, We've got somebody else coming on. 
And new, uh, new, 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 new. And so that show is going to kind of officially relaunch here in another week or so. But the entire network itself itself is going to radically change. Now, <gasps> it's not going to affect the shows at all, except for a little bit at the very beginning of each show. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's, it's going to allow us to expand the network beyond the tech world. And uh, it's going to take a little bit of work on my part, and it's already started. But, you know, we'll have an official announcement pretty soon. Well, I'm a little nervous, Tim, because you're, you're wearing an Office Mac t-shirt. Yeah, it's called... Uh, <laughs> he has a Microsoft t-shirt on. Just I want everybody to know <coughs> Tim is doing this with a Microsoft t-shirt on. Uh, technically, it's Devo. Oh, it is Devo. I couldn't is, see the body. Yeah, this All is... I can see was wearing Office Mac. That's it says... Uh, what is this? It's, uh, it's a beautiful world, one fifteen oh eight. It's... Office for the Mac 2008, but it was for their party at the Macworld Expo uh, when they had Devo come out. I know I, I was supposed to go to that and I couldn't, but I can't. All I can see is so. For those who don't understand, Tim, we're on Skype and Tim has his camera on, and I can see him down to about the middle of the chest. So I don't see his whole shirt. Yeah, I only see the thing that says Office Mac 2008. Yeah, <laughs> I had to pull it up just so he could see the little Devo guy. Sorry, it just made me smile. He's wearing a Microsoft shirt. Yeah, I, I will wear anybody's shirt if it's free. I, I don't care. Um, and and Tim Owen, will give you his address if you send it to me. <laughs> that's right. Um, and I, <laughs> I just sent you... I, 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 I love shirts. I love T-shirts. Um, I just sent you a link, Owen. That's for your private use, so you can kind of okay. see what's coming. Oh, nice. And uh, that's kind of a... It's not real. I mean, it is, but it's just kind of a fill right now for the I URL. I think you guys will all like this. I'm just looking at his ideas, and I can't say anything about it because I'm under gag order. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's going to help us expand greatly. And oh, This is really nice. Yeah, this is a nice job. You'll see the thing. It says uh, home at the top. If you look at the next two and read those, it kind of uh, the last thing is what you see at my Mac. But then right. the, those two kind of explain what we're doing. So, so with that, Owen, we're going to wrap up Tech Fan number fifty-four. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, San Francisco. In yeah, it's coming two up months. Like, oh, well, yeah, just a little less than two months, right? Well, it's at the end of January. So. Oh, it's at the end of January this year. That's yeah. right. I keep forgetting it used to be at the same time as CES. So, yeah, uh, I'm kind of you don't go to CES, do you? No, I you know I keep getting invited to go and. Um, I have my badge, and then I keep. A not couple going. years ago, CES approached us about doing a Mac Pavilion. They wanted to name it the My Mac Pavilion, and eh, I just it wasn't a whole lot of work on my part, and I would have actually got a little money for it for using the name. But <sighs> have you been to CES? Uh, no, not that no, I remember. So C- CES is one of those things for anybody who's not bet. You have to go once, at least. Um, besides the fact it's in Vegas, it, it takes up the, uh, like two convention centers and other hotels, and it's everything electronics. And it's, it's really like being in the coolest Best Buy in the world. You, know, you get to go sit around and see every new TV and every new gadget. I think Apple was even there at one point um, showing off stuff. But it's just if it's in technology, it is there. In fact, it used to include games. Uh, and E3 got so big. I mean, the game section got so big, it split off into E3, its own show. Uh, but there's still some gaming stuff there. You can see a lot of stuff. It's actually fun to do. It's in January in Vegas. It sells uh, I, out I will Vegas. probably... Well, we had a presence there last year, I think. Yeah, where we had the App Minute thing going on, and Sam was there. Okay. But no, not me personally. It's just one of those that I go, yeah, I could... Take it I might it. be there this year. I'll, if I am, I'll do some. I'll do some uh, recording from there, and we'll share. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up Tech Fan number fifty-four again. We'd love to hear feedback for you from you guys, and uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like about the show. I'm not going to change anything, but I'm still kind of curious on what you think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just because I'm lazy. He won't listen, but send it anyway. <laughs> yeah, just send it anyway. So I'm just lazy. I won't actually do anything, but. Uh, I, somebody, I, I've mentioned a few times that I'm kind of lazy and, and someone asked me, are it doesn't seem like you're real lazy. Are you, do you really think of yourself as lazy? And I thought, yeah, but then I thought, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm the CEO the of one. The rest of the <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, there's more I could be doing. <laughs> there's always more. 
All so, right, Tim. Well, it's been it's been fun, and uh, I, I, again, I appreciate it. On you like. we we need to get you on more often. It's kind of sporadic sometimes, but uh, I you know it's seven in the morning. It is, and that's <laughs> that's kind of the issue. Is when we record this show, it's very early in the morning for you, and you know that's not always the funnest thing to wake up and oh now I got to I got to be entertaining. Just had a power touch. Did I go off? No. No, you're still on. I heard I, your battery beep. Yes, it's all my UPSs beeped. It was a. Could you hear that? Yes, I could. Yeah, all, there's three UPSs in my office, and and the lights went out. But see, the UPSs keep the computer and the network running. Is it still out? No, no, they just blinked off for for a second and came back on. Yeah, UPSs are very important, not only to keep you up and running when the power goes out, but it actually conditions the electrical power coming to your house. If you think that your electricity is coming in at a nice even pace oh, no. you're out of your mind um no this was nice because i have one i have one that's plugged into my you know my dsl router and my network and my wi-fi and i have one that's plugged into my computer and one's plugged into my monitor and so the power just glitched but he and i are still talking i will thank, I, thank, I, thank you apc who's, who's the ones <laughs> i have used that's what i use too i think they make the best ups's so with that, we're going to wrap up uh, TechFan54. Thanks, Owen. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.